0: Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode. Before we jump into the intro, I wanted to issue a quick disclaimer about this episode. This week, we're talking about investing, financial strategies, and personal finance with some very, very special guests. That being said, this advice is all based on personal experience and is offered as a suggestion by us and our guests please make sure you consult other trusted sources to understand the financial risks involved in investing in other personal finance management. That being said, enjoy the episode. Hi, I'm Callie. I'm Clarissa. And I'm Isha. And we're Best Buds.
1: Hi guys, and welcome back. So this week we have a very exciting and also very educational episode, and we're bringing in not one, but two very, very special guests. So given what's happened with GameStop in the last few days, we've all been thinking a lot about the stock market and investments. And as we were talking, we realized that we know very little about investing, finances, and managing our own money.
0: So joining us, we have Anika, my lovely sister, who I talk about with <laughs> this podcast, and my mom, who is off camera, but she's still here, the finance queens themselves. Uh, my mom trades options, so she's pretty knowledgeable about this. And I'll give Anika a chance to introduce herself. So. Yeah.
2: Hi, guys. So uh, I don't know about my qualifications, but I'm an operations research and financial engineering major. Um, which is just a fancy way to say applied math. There's some components of finance in there, but not as much as you would think. Um, So I guess those are my qualifications and (laughs) then just general life experience.
0: (laughs) So excited to be on the podcast. Yay, excited to have you.
1: Still more qualified than us, no worries. (laughs) 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 So we just wanted to start off talking about our own prior experience with finance and investing and that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah so I wrote absolutely nothing so my parents don't invest. Um, Actually my dad thinks investing is dumb but that's a whole other issue Uh, and recently my mom started investing like a thousand dollars but like she's just playing around with it so basically I wasn't really exposed to any of this
1: growing up and I know nothing. Um, My dad really likes stocks but he speaks whenever he's talking about it he's always talking in Chinese so I don't really understand. Um, And I took finance last semester. So I understand like the basic concepts, but not enough to really understand like the whole GameStop situation. And like whenever my friends are talking about like investing and stonks, I'm just I'm sitting there feeling like a fake business kid because I don't really know that much.
0: <laughs> yeah, so being in a family where I feel like pretty much everyone is involved in finance or business in some capacity, like Anika's a finance major, my mom trades options, my dad works in business. So, like, I know a little bit of the periphery just based on like dinner conversations and stuff. And I can name all the anchors on CNBC. If that counts <laughs> as finance knowledge, but beyond that, I really don't know that much. So, <laughs> mom, stop laughing at me again. <laughs>
1: I think that counts.
0: (laughs) That's an impressive feat. I'm excited to learn more today. (laughs) Okay, so I guess we'll start off by sort of diving into what happened on Wednesday with GameStop since, at least for me, that sort of sparked an interest in learning more about what goes on in the stock market and the general idea for this episode. (laughs) So um, either one of you can answer this question, but I know Robinhood was involved in this GameStop Fiasco in some way. So, what is Robinhood?
2: Okay, so the first thing you basically have to understand is that um, when you trade stocks, like you can't just do it willy-nilly. There has to be trading platforms for you to go on, like a platform where people can buy and sell stock, buy and sell options, all these things. Mm-hmm. Robinhood is one such trading platform, but it's sort of notorious because it's not um, a traditional trading platform. So it's more of like a new company uh, it has a newer sort of a startup vibe almost. And its aim is to make investing like easy, accessible, and fun, which is why it's sort of structured in the way that it is to be like the the interface, the UI, is like really, st- what they made it very easy <laughs> for small investors to start it investing
3: is. because you they were
4: the first, first one to charge no commission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So commission is a big part. You're going to get ten dollars gains, and you pay seven dollars as commission. Mm -hmm. You are not really making money. Mm -hmm. So that's what incentivize young young kids who just buy one or two stocks to uh, to start trading. Like they could open an account with like hundred dollars, which is which was not possible with traditional with traditional uh, platforms like TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. And then I've also heard like short squeeze being thrown around. So I guess like just sort of in very simple terms, could you explain what happened on Wednesday and why it like rattled the whole stock market? So
2: what a short squeeze is and what happened on Wednesday are two different things. Oh. So first, like they're related, but uh, not easily like they're not exactly the same. So basically shorting a stock or uh, a short squeeze is when, how do I explain it? The best way uh, to explain this is to first go with what traditionally happens like in the stock market. So what you generally want to do, what most people's investment strategy is, is to buy a stock when it's low, um, wait till it goes up and then sell it when it's high, which makes a lot of sense, right. And intuitive, Right. Uh, some companies some hedge funds uh, big organizations like that they instead short stocks which means that they borrow shares of stock sell it when it's high wait for the stock to go down buy it back and then like Mm. and then close their positions Mm. so that means they're basically it's like a strategy for them to sort of get their money up front and they're basically betting on the market that whatever stock they're shorting is going to go down. Um, Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, gotcha. So basically they're saying that this company sucks and like, we think that it's going (laughs) to go down. I guess, yeah. So rude. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, what happened with GameStop then generally? So, okay.
2: So basically what happened was that usually um, shorting is what happens, like hedge funds are the main ones to be, using like shorting strategies. And uh, what happened on Wednesday was that a bunch of Redditors, I don't remember the exact like Reddit page that this happened on, but they noticed that uh, this hedge fund had basically massively, massively shorted GameStop and a few other stocks. um, And they decided to sort of take advantage of that. So as we know, with shorting, they buy they borrow the shares, they sell them off when the price is high. And the whole strategy, the entire way you make money through shorting is that stock has to come down so that you can buy it back and then close your positions. That way, if you don't, if that doesn't happen, you don't get any money. Mm-hmm. So these Redditors had seen that um, like these hedge funds had done this um, and the hedge funds themselves were actually being kind of greedy. Because the stock had already come down a lot, and they were waiting it. They were waiting to basically drive it to zero mm. before um, they're gonna buy it back. So they thought it was like a slam dunk; um, they would get their money guaranteed. But they didn't count on these redditors basically finding out that they had shorted the stock, and then buying. Like so, what happened was that all those redditors bought the stock, uh, bought that GameStop stop stock. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, and they kept buying it, uh, all the shares, so that the price of GameStop was just basically driven up. Oh, so uh, that that the price of the stock never made it down to what the hedge funds thought it was going to come to. It just kept getting higher and higher. People kept piling on the bandwagon, and uh, since that the price was so high, the hedge funds lost billions of dollars because they had bet essentially they had like bet a lot of money on the idea that that GameStop was going to come down. Um, And the whole thing about shorting is that you have to buy the stock back at some point. So by driving the price up, the Redditors basically like set off this frenzy and panic in the market uh, that the hedge funds didn't know like when they could buy the stock back, if it would come
0: down, if it would go higher. Um, So they were closing their positions because they didn't know if the stock was ever going to come. Back down to where they bought it. So yeah,
2: yeah,
3: yes. hmm? No, that's what
4: happened, and that they it drove the price higher up. Yeah, and then people started thinking that oh, the price is going up, so we can make money off of it. So more people started trying to buy the stock Um, and try to do trading. So on first Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the stock the. there is suppose there is x number of stocks in the market 3x number of trade volume there's 3x volume like the yeah. stock traded three times its total volume in a single day
0: oh because so people, people were, were buying, and selling selling buying and selling and buying and selling oh,
2: and some people like people were getting i don't want to say greedy but they're getting so wrapped up in the frenzy of the trading that Sometimes they would just buy it and then uh, five minutes later sell the stock and just make a minuscule amount of money from that and just do it over
4: and over these again. Are like, these are like big companies who have algos. Mm-hmm. So the algos decide that now it has dropped 2%, 1%, so good time to jump in. Yeah. And they ju- buy in volume. Like There was one oh. one uh, person, he's a very well-known venture capitalist, What's uh, Chamath yeah. Alpatiya. <laughs> <laughs> He, he did, like, after Wednesdays, after the trading stopped, he bought, like, thousands, thousand shares of, uh, he bought 50,000 worth of stock, of, uh, Game
3: of Game GameStop, Stop.
4: and just as the market opened on Wednesday, he sold, closed all his position, and he made $500,000. So he, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was so crazy, like, it was just, people were just making trades, and There's a frenzy, but at some point, sometime in the future, because the GameStop still doesn't have a real good um, business. Yeah. They're still bleeding. They're not making money unless they change their business strategy, use this as capital and make something different. The GameStop has no game, basically. So someone's
0: going to end up losing money. So sometime
4: it's going to go come off and then somebody is going to be left holding the bag. We don't know whether it's going to be the hedge funds
3: or it's going to be some random people. Mm -hmm
2: interesting. So everyone's just waiting to see how it'll all shake down at the end.
1: I guess one question, this is kind of basic and it goes back a long way, but what exactly is a hedge fund?
2: Yeah, good question. So a hedge fund, you can basically think of them as professional money managers. So like a hedge fund is made up of like a fund investor and then Uh, a bunch of people that invest in that fund. So if you're like super wealthy um, and you want to have a lot of money for retirement, you choose a hedge fund to give your money to and they tell you their strategy and everything. And it's basically their legal obligation to invest according to that strategy they told you. You give their money to them. They have like with a lot of pooled contributions from different people investing in the fund. They have a huge amount of money to invest and it's basically their job to make you money. Um, and it's basically their job to make you money, whether the market goes up or down. So hedging is a concept, which is sort of where the hedge funds got their name from. Um, hedging means that in times of rain or shine, basically you're covered within the market. Oh, okay. So that's the point of but the hedge fund. the
4: thing about hedge funds is they don't take my hundred dollars or two hundred dollars exactly. to get into the hedge fund. You need to be investing like hundred or two hundred fifty thousand mm-hmm. oh. dollars. So they're lower lower limit like you have to put in at least different hedge funds have different limits some have hundred thousand some have five hundred thousand some have a million depends so these are like the big cats who are putting their money in Mm -hmm. and they are guaranteed a huge some profit a huge number of percentage of profit like 20 percent or something and but the hedge funds take a huge fee like usually a normal mutual fund or a index traded fund takes one to two percent and they take like 15-20% off as Is fees. that like a
0: commission?
4: Like fees of yeah. whatever they make a for one. you. Oh,
0: okay. Suppose
4: they make $1,000 for you, then $250
3: is theirs.
0: And just to clarify, so in terms of what happened on Wednesday, like all of the hedge funds that had to close their positions or were forced to close their positions because the stock price of GameStop and the other stocks that they shorted in December. Kept going up. So one when, when the hedge fund lost money, everyone who asked the hedge fund to invest their money, who pooled their their money in that hedge fund, lost money as well. Yeah. yeah. On paper, at least. Oh. Okay.
4: So we don't know what it, how it will close at the end of the year. Nobody mm-hmm. knows. Mm-hmm. They could be down, or they could be. They could still make it up. But um, yes. But we don't know. Nobody knows whether they close the position or not. Right. They had they had a financial crisis and somebody else came in and showed them up. Like when you when you're most of the short shorting is done on margin. So people the, the only we thing that they know is margin. Margin is when you if you have thousand dollars you can on margin you can buy maybe worth ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars and you get, pay the company for whatever that it's like taking taking a loan yeah
2: it's basically a guarantee so like the trading platforms they want to make sure that you're good on your word that like oh if you want to borrow some amount to like buy this amount of stock like or you account. don't have this much like in your actual trading account they want to guarantee that you'll be able to pay it if things go bad mm-hmm. for you
4: so just to be able to short or do um like without collateral, naked shorting is what they call it. Is you need um, a special permission from the trading um, platforms? I think some there was a case with Robinhood in the early maybe a year back when they were not doing it,
0: yeah. and like it didn't the special special that they short. did
4: not check that whether the people had experience to do shorting or do marginal accounts, and some kid who was 19 years old lost a million dollars or something and he committed suicide. Really? Yeah. There was a case like that a year back maybe. So uh, I don't know whether they changed their policy after that. Yeah. I mean that's a that very that very need dangerous to
2: understand about the market is that like it's not it, there's
4: It's not a video game. Yeah you exactly. can just close and say, Oh, I made a mistake and forget it and start a new game.
2: Yeah. There and are
4: real world consequences to it.
2: And a lot of it it like people don't really I don't know if people make this um, sort of likening, but it's a lot like betting and gambling in a way. You're gambling on what stocks you think are going to go up. Uh, you have to have some amount of like an appetite for risk, like when you're no, getting into the stock market. I don't want to scare
4: you kids that oh, this is a very scary place and stay away from it. It's a good instrument. These are all derivatives as they call the uh, peripherals that people use to make. 10 times money, 10x money, or whatever.
0: So I think this is a good transition into the next segment of our episode, which is personal finance and investing as college students. So Clarissa, do you want to take it away? Yeah, so before we started, see, again, I know absolutely nothing about any of this. So I was asking them, so what is finance? Like, has like a baseline. (laughs) Like we were talking about the difference between economics and finance, but like what is finance? What does that mean in the context of like business finance or personal finance?
2: I think I I would maybe have a different answer than mom.
0: Like economics
2: is study of the market um, and like the interconnectedness of different markets as a whole, like the economy, things like that. Finance, uh, I view it as much more personal. So it's the way that you manage money. Um, it's the way that things are, like the dynamics of the stock market, things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's not really looking at things on a macro level.
0: Yeah, that's a calculus thing yeah. too, yeah.
2: So economics is both macro and micro, but yeah, economics looks, as dem- looks at demand so, and
4: supply and the outside factors that affects demand and supply, like maybe the government, the drought, the...
2: Which is not to say that, like, all these things also affect personal finance and finance as a whole. Uh, right. So the line can sometimes get blurred right. between So them. they are
4: very interconnected because they affect each other. Mm-hmm. But finance probably is your personal, as like she said, that what money you get, how to balance. At the end of the day, you want your checkbook balance and your outgoing should not be more than your incoming. Right. So that is very much what a, even a business finance is doing. Mm-hmm. That the expenditure does not have, cannot be more than what, how, how much they are earning. Right. Or if it's, they have to have a long-term game plan. Like there's some tech, new tech companies who don't have much income, but they have projected income. That like, okay, if I spend so much for five years, then at the end of five years, I'll start making profit, and it will be reversed. Yeah. Because you cannot go for on forever spending more than what you're making. Yeah. So that that is probably what is finance. So, yeah. and using a stock market or a savings account. It's just a way of making your like your incomings more, like increasing yourself worth net worth more than what you're spending mm-hmm. so that you don't go into debt that's right. yeah,
0: so yeah, you kind of touched on this with your previous answer, talking about like investing in an index fund and how to safely invest, but like we're all college students and I know. so you trade options, right? So that's a derivative um, and it requires a lot more attention. um, Something that's a little more complex than just buying and selling stock. So as like college students with not that much time to constantly look over our accounts or keep a track of the stock market, do you you think you could just like briefly talk about um, what the best way to maybe open a trading account as a college student and start, investing your money is so that way robin hood is good
4: robin hood has a lot of research on it mm-hmm. and it lets you um start an account with just like i said i think hundred dollars i have not looked into what is the minimum requirement to open an account over there and you can just put they can they also let you buy fraction of a share, share. like as young kids like colgate palm might not excite you but apple might you might think that oh apple is a good place to put some money oh this is i love apple i use all the apple products. so on the day like wednesday when the market was so scared you really don't have any skin in the game you are not losing any money but if you have hundred dollars in um in uh in your in a brokerage account and you see that the market is down 10 percent apple has come down 10 percent there's no need for apple to come down 10 percent because apple has apple actually came out with very good earnings it had It has, it is selling its product very nicely. So, oh, this is a good time. Let me buy that fraction of a share of Apple Mm. or one share of Apple with my money and forget about it for a year. I'm sure by the end of a couple of years, Apple will be higher than what it is today. Mm. So these are like, and if if it, if it doesn't pan out, you have not really, if something goes wrong, the thing is you should get out of it. If it, if it's going wrong and you think that okay, you lost money. The maximum you can lose is then hundred dollars.
0: Yeah,
4: and but you've learned a very ex- val- maybe expensive lesson, but a valuable lesson that okay, that what was wrong with that stock. But that's how you can play with a little money, and if that excites you, in interest you, can keep doing that. Mm-hmm. If not, like I said, the index fund is a very safe place.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: You can just put money there and forget about it. If you don't want to do this, some people like it. They like to go and look at their account and say, oh. I got two dollars more today. <laughs> oh, I lost one dollar today. But some people don't want to do this. So you can just put it in an index fund and forget about it and look at it maybe at the end of the year or end of two years. Mm-hmm. So over a long period the index fund are like like workhorses. They keep just trudging along. Charging along and they are not they are not as exciting as GameStop that you get like oh. thousand percent <laughs> in one day. <laughs> but you also not lose thousand percent in one day. Yeah. So it, that way you are a little more steady mm-hmm. and it will give you a chance to appreciate what is, um, savings and investing. And it will give you, if it, it will motivate you to do that more, once you are more financially independent and start working, you look into it more. And it's like, we spend so much time, you got kids spend so much time looking at a jacket, like Bro, you're really device, calling jacket. me out right now. <laughs> <laughs> you spend like so much time on it that you're spending the money on. And this is your money that you're earning and you want to spend a little time on it to make sure that you're making, getting a good deal out of that.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Because if you're spending time to find a good deal for a jacket, I'm sure you want to spend a little more time on the money that you're earning that you've spent so much time in your vacation or doing an internship and got that money, you want it to grow. You don't want it to just lie around and be wasted and deteriorate in uh, value.
1: Mm, That's true. So going off of that, I have two questions. So one is you talked a lot about index funds and how they're a lot safer and more stable. Uh, Would you mind like talking a little bit more about what exactly an index fund is? And then my second question is like, how do you know what to invest in? Because there are so many different stocks in the market and there's so many like different indicators and measures of how well a company is performing. So what are like the major metrics that you look at and what should you be looking for? Do
3: you want to take
2: the index fund question? <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, okay. So an index fund is basically uh, a fund that is created to outperform like some benchmark. Uh, so do you guys know what the S&P 500 is, the Dow Jones Index? I've
3: heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> yeah it's, it's like people, yeah,
2: people throw around those terms a lot. Uh, but both the S&P 500 and Dow Jones Index are basically, like, like the name suggests, indexes. So they're basically indicators that take. So for the Dow Jones, I believe it's 50 stocks,
3: 30,
2: 30 stocks. And then for the S&P 500, it's 500 stocks that basically uh, indicate to you how the market is going. So it has a mix of like maybe some in the tech industry, some in the energy industry, some in average. Yeah, it's like an average, basically. It's like a sample that shows like average. Exactly. So it's a sample that tells you the health of the market as a whole. Okay. And generally speaking, people can invest in both the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones index. And they generally give you a pretty good return um, because they take such a wide variety of stocks within that index. Like you're pretty much hedged for like if the market goes up in one um, in one industry, another industry will offset that. So an index fund, other index funds, uh, basically it's the same sort of thing. They invest in a variety of like companies. Um, and their goal is to tro- sort of outperform the benchmark of like the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones. So at l- at the very least, like you're trying to do better than those basic benchmarks. Or mimic,
4: mm-hmm. mimic yeah. the basic benchmarks. a lot of uh, uh, ETF, in, indexed and traded funds, which mimic that uh, uh, the goals of the S&P 500 mm-hmm. or Dow Jones or the emerging markets index there are lot there are lots of indexes there's a technical like the um, qqq is what the nasdaq oh, yeah, yeah. The nasdaq 100, 100 so they are there a are lot of indexes index funds which the index fund actually the index actually buys the stock they like recently tesla was added to s&p 500 and i don't remember which stock they removed so they sell off whatever that stock is and buy that much equivalent of Tesla. Mm. So then when they added all, that's why Tesla was just shooting through the roof because all the uh, ETFs that mimic that index fund have to do the same thing. So mm. they will sell that stock and because they buy the same 500 stocks that S&P 500 has. Mm. So the index fund is usually the average of all the 500 stocks. It could, the average is not actually a simple average. It's not like 10 stocks. of. 10 okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's a, they have whatever the algorithm them. to it. So it's not like all the 500 stocks are 10 stocks of each or $10,000 of each. I don't know how they do it, but it's an average of stock. General average. General average of the stock. So that's why it is safer. Mm. But you can, there are a lot of indexes that are even sector oriented. There'll be a health industry index. So all the health stocks will be there in that index. There is energy index which will have all the energy stocks. But I always say SP P five hundred to Just both my kids put- because <laughs> it's a very well. Uh, it's a balanced kind of index which mm-hmm. has everything in it. Mm-hmm. So it's it gives you the uni- a balanced view to the universe of
0: stocks. And so. then like the second question, what type stock of picking stocks would you pick? I mean, I guess for you because you just started, like. Yeah, I mean,
2: yeah, I definitely like. I'm totally a novice to (laughs) all of this. Uh, I've like read a couple books about stock picking, like when I was just getting into it. Uh, and a lot of them were saying, and which I agree with the advice. Um, I agree with, is to pick things that you personally know and use. Uh, to get into because there's no point in really like trying to follow the trends of the market or being like oh like everyone's buying GameStop so let me buy GameStop right now if you yourself don't really like mess with the company like you don't really use any of its products uh, you're just following a trend and that's like in my opinion a surefire way to maybe you'll make some money in the short term but in the long term if you follow that strategy you're guaranteed to lose money. So uh, I, my suggestion when you're starting to get into investing and you specifically want to invest in stocks is to either invest in stocks that are like um, that are like my mom said, like blue chips so everyday things that you use. So that's the Colgate, Palmolive, uh, things like that, like toilet paper, toothpaste. Or uh, companies that you yourself use, you think uh, will go far in the future. I mean, the like millennials and Gen Z like basically also drive a lot of trends within the market and within the consumer and retail space. So you actually like have a lot of power in the marketplace that you don't like a lot of people don't utilize because you have your pulse on like your finger on the trends that are going on. So like, you don't even know it, but you have a lot of power in the investing space because you, you, you know what's going on. And like these people on CNBC, like <laughs> like <laughs> they have to like do their research on like, Oh, like what are the college kids buying now? Like, what do the kids like? What, what are like mom and dad asking? About yeah. So like about What, what are, what's the youth using? Like you are the youth, you know what you're using. So I thought that would be my, um, advice in that regard Mm
3: -hmm.
2: um just one more thing about the like as a college student Mm -hmm. buying and selling stock like i also agree so um just like personally speaking i'm not in any stock right now because you just have to sort of know your own appetite for risk some people uh like my mom sort of went over this but just to like uh hammer it down Um, people have different appetites for risk. So you can be risk neutral, risk averse, or like risk loving. And you just have to figure out what type of profile you fit into. Uh, I personally am like quite risk averse. I don't, I don't like getting into risky situations. Mm -hmm. So uh, even like investing in stocks for me, like I just wanted to put my money in something that was going to grow. And like, I didn't have to look at for like years. So that's why my money, most of my money is in a mutual fund. Uh, So you just have to sorry, an index fund. (laughs) (laughs) Not me not knowing what my money is. Uh, But yeah, so you just have to figure out like what sort of profile fits you and then uh, devise a plan for yourself because it's not going to be one size fits
0: all.
1: Just one quick thing. I remember in seventh grade, I was playing around with some like investing simulation kind of website. In and
0: towels?
1: yes oh my god they made us do that in fifth grade <laughs> yeah i remember it. all the cold spring kids are doing it and i thought it was so cool so i wanted to do it too but i didn't know like anything so i put my fake money in like starbucks and like abercrombie and fitch and like all the seventh grade brands <laughs> 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 and then i just forgot about the account
2: <laughs> To be fair, in seventh grade, Abercrombie and Fitch was like what oh everyone God. was trying to
3: buy.
2: <laughs> yeah. so. It was a good
1: problem. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's I what was like, Callie, finger I on the was an investing genius. <laughs>
4: yeah. <laughs> if
0: you put it in Starbucks, she would be happy today. Yeah. Please, <laughs> <laughs> start it. money. I remember in eighth grade, we had like, so Clarissa and I both went to like the humanities whatever program and we had to like go to new york and film a documentary about something and interview someone so somehow (laughs) our group got an interview with the ceo of nasdaq i don't know how that that worked out but yeah we talked to robert Greenfeld, who's not the ceo anymore and we got to see like the opening bell and stuff and wait you guys went to see the opening bell yeah yeah damn (laughs) wait that's so cool yeah and then because like one of our one of the girls in our group, her dad worked for NASDAQ, and he pulled some strings. oh in damn. There. yeah. That's it was kind of cool, but like none of us really knew about finance and the whole angle of the documentary was like personal finance and students and teaching personal finance and stuff. So we launched this project in our like humanities cohort where everyone had to open a fake investing account <laughs> and had a competition to see like who could make the most money in X amount of time. And during class, like everyone would be on there like <laughs> Trading and like Amazon, like, shot up one day, and everyone was like selling their Amazon stuff. That's
3: so and it
0: was really funny. But just, That's <laughs> kind of cute.
4: Most brokerage accounts, if you open anywhere, or if your parents have a brokerage account, have a paper money account. You can go in, mm-hmm. in a simulated paper money. And they have today's brokerage accounts have a lot of research, a lot of mm-hmm. instruments. You can, if you like playing around with it, there's a lot you can play around with. Fake money and simulate what would happen. Like she bought Starbucks, she could buy. <laughs> she could buy GameStop and see what, what. she... it's. It's if you just want. Do you to, ever uh,
0: use that to like simulate a position? i not anymore.
4: But when I started doing it, I did mostly paper money for maybe months. Oh wow! Because I was too worried to put my real money into it. <laughs> yeah, and, but yeah, I did use paper money mm. to begin with. And get and get acclimatized to the to the charts and how to read charts and there's so much uh, knowledge of so much stuff over there. Yeah, mm-hmm. like technical analysis and what to do.
0: But I'm mm-hmm. mostly focused on options because that's what time. That's I've heard it's a whole nother. Yeah, options <laughs> vol. Year, so. <laughs> Let's not get into options. Get right into now. that. Um, but yeah, we also wanted to talk a little bit about general finance and personal finance, especially with Anika, like moving to another city and getting a job soon. And I've heard lingo being thrown around as you guys try to figure that out. So we just had some questions relating to personal finance as college students. So,
1: yeah, go ahead. Um, we can skip the first one for now, Um, but I guess to start off a lot of talk about credit score and I have no idea like how to start with that, especially as a college student who has very little income of my own and everyone says that she wants to build up a solid credit score but how do i go about doing that
2: yeah great question so i know you guys said that you like wanted to skip the first question but reading it like i just have one piece of advice okay to people if that's okay yeah. um uh the advice that i would give to college students that are beginning to like develop financial independence is just like start so i feel like a lot of times people like the world of like personal finance is so vast and there's so many terms and like things can like go over your head that a lot of times people just like don't even venture into there because they're scared of like what like messing up or it's like too much research involved or like there's there's so much at stake that they just sit on it for a really long time I would say start with one thing start with opening a credit card and then like you can like dip your toe into the water. Uh, because the sooner you start, like the more it'll benefit you uh, later on in life. Um, and the then off your
4: credit Yeah, the
2: important thing. So that's that's where we get into the credit score. So I basically have.
3: Wow.
2: I'm not. <laughs> but let me just show you guys. So, OK, so credit score comes, it's basically a indicator um, to Any uh, like outside, you use a credit score when you're trying to get like a loan uh, for things like maybe you want to get a loan for your house or later on like your car, house in the future. Um, And it basically is an indicator of how good you are at paying back money. So it's what's sort of your credit? Are you like, is can they have a good guarantee that you're going to pay back any money that they loan you? even renting. Yeah, you're right. So like renting, so it's it's very uh, eminent. So it's not just like, oh, like for a mortgage or all oh, for a car loan, but renting is like, super common, especially like right out of college, that's something that you want to think of. So yeah, that's basically what a credit score is. And a lot of things go into getting a good credit score. The first thing you need to do, obviously, is open up your credit card. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure if, uh, like, all credit cards, the credit score, uh, the components are the same. But I've just pulled up my like dashboard for my credit uh, card and like my FICO credit score card. So there's a few things that go into it. So I'm just gonna like list them off and explain which each one is. Um, the first one is like your total account, which is the mixture of credit types that you have. Um, so that makes about up around 10% of your FICO credit score. Um, Next is your length of credit. So uh, how long have you had a credit card? How long have you been making payments? The longer you've been doing that consistently and paying off things on time, the better it is for your credit score and the more it goes up. Next is inquiries. So uh, an inquiry is basically when you apply for a new credit card or loan. um, And they basically take a huge look at like your personal finances, like what your history of paying things are. Um, and the less inquiries you have are good, especially when you open a new account. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why you want to open a credit card and start paying off things before you're like you have to do it so you can build up that credit. Uh, the next is revolving utilization, uh, which is the indicator of like how much you owe on your account. So how much you owe lenders, uh, and then finally is missed payments. So you obviously don't want to miss any of your payments uh, when you're when you're paying off your credit card. And that's honestly, like my mom said, the most important thing you want to pay everything on time. Another tip that I learned about, like that, I did not know was when you get a credit card and you start paying off, like you start using it for things. It can be tempting to like use your credit card to pay for everything and like buy a lot of stuff because now you have a credit card. Uh, But (laughs) when you get a credit card, uh, you have this thing called a credit line so it's basically like how much especially when you're you like newly get a credit card it's like how much you can spend per month with that credit card so i believe it's like thousand um, dollars when I you first have, yeah. yeah for different credit cards it's different things for the discover student card it's around thousand a thousand dollars and i didn't know that <laughs> yeah so and basically like this is just an unofficial tip that i've heard of that i've tried to sort of live by which is that you don't want to spend more than one third of your credit line per month because that can negatively affect your credit. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's just like an indicator that no one ever talks about. It's unofficial that, uh, these credit card companies use in order to. More important is don't spend more than you have in the bank. Yeah. Really <laughs> cool. So like, yeah, this is what I've heard of too. It's just like yeah. an unofficial thing. And it's a good rule of thumb in general. Mm. Um, yeah it
4: also depends what you have spent on right if you have just paid your oh,
3: yeah
0: but if you're a college student like is their credit yeah. card yeah. exclusively
4: of the loan from your bank account it might not
3: affect you as
2: that's true but yeah if you don't like buy <laughs> like in odd payments that you have to do like utilities and things like that or mortgage payments um uh, don't just like buy random shit more than one-third of your credit card
1: uh, line. I remember when my older sister got her first credit card, or it's still, like, linked to my parents' account, so it wasn't her money, but the first day she got it, she went out to Barnes & Noble's and bought, like, $120 worth of manga books, and <laughs> my parents are so
0: mad. That's pretty really iconic, though. I
1: have to <laughs> <laughs> But it's okay. She's older. She's more responsible now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess Wait, going on to I
0: the side oh. question. Like speaking of like linked credit cards, like are those beneficial for your credit score? Like, like would you recommend that we first get like a linked credit card for our parents and then open our own, or just you know, start straight out with our own credit card?
2: So uh, my advice would be like different based on the situation that you're in. And like, there's not really one right answer. Um I personally don't have a linked credit card.
3: You do have a link. To it. No, it's not. No, you have a linked link. One. We no, both linked for the account. Oh, you're right. You're right. The first, Bruh, the first,
4: the first <laughs> credit card you got was, was a link. Page. Yeah. We- <laughs> both, Anika and you, both got a link like, no, and then once card you, card you yeah. pay some
2: money and yeah so the thing like when you apply for a credit card is that
3: yeah
2: so you have to have you have to prove that you have income coming in through a w-2 form and you have to be over 18 and i'm not sure what the
0: other specifications wait you Those said are you have two. to have like a stream of income but like for example you don't work like a consistent job but, in, Like W like two tr- exactly oh, okay
2: yeah so they have to have paid you through that oh okay like you have to have some money, like internship grants, like that also counts. Oh. Okay, so you're right. Um, yeah, but to answer your question, <laughs> um, I guess probably starting out with the linked account is best. Then, if Mom, if you wanna like say more about what? it, because <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. apparently. not linked account
4: does not give you any credit.
0: It doesn't. No. What? No, because you have you to open it under your own you're name. You're not responsible yeah, for oh, it. Oh,
2: that's true. that makes all the sense <laughs> That's true. So, why would so it you our have credits? to have your
3: own credit card. In order to get, credit. get, credit. Does get, get credit. credit. Does he get
2: like more credit? If you, if you, you have
4: something on your credit card, his credit score goes back.
2: For the link. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
4: If you spend like 10, whatever the limit is, and he cannot make the payment, then his credit like this
0: is... is but if you have like multiple credit...
4: What I'm saying is that... You using that link credit card does not give you a credit score or affect your
3: credit score.
0: Right, 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 right. Okay. Wait, but if if since Dad has like four linked cards, or if Dad has four linked cards, does that positively affect his credit score? So he's able to As make so all those payments, the payments the on time. Payments
2: are happening.
0: Yeah. It I doesn't
3: like really.
2: I don't know. think it affects it that much. I don't know really, frankly, so...
4: I don't know whether, but if you were not to pay make the payments, it would negatively affect. I don't know whether
3: it positively affects or not. Okay. Yeah.
2: So if you want to get credit, um, you have to open up your own credit. Uh, it's credit a
4: card. good thing if you have a W two if you are making some money and you have a W two that comes to you for your income, then you can get a low low a limit credit card, like a student credit card, which does not have any annual fee and try to make maybe $50 purchase or less every month and pay it off.
2: So yeah, the advice that I got like my sophomore year that led me to like actually opening up a credit card. So it's like either my freshman or sophomore year, I was talking with this upperclassman and he was like, yeah, what I do is the minute that I started working and getting like money, my parents basically told, made me open up a credit card, and I don't use it for anything except to buy, like, coffee two times a month, and I just make those consistent payments, um, and my credit score has just, like, gone through the roof, so leaving college, he had, he was in, like, a really good position to, in order to start, yeah, um, like, buying things, or if he wanted to rent things, like, They, he already had this history that he was good with his credit that he could make payments on time. Oh, like
0: before he, he actually had to make five stakes. Yeah, exactly.
2: So my advice is before you need it to start building up that credit. So you don't have to like do it on the fly. Not
4: only for credit. It also makes you, it's a good habit that you, it's a, how do you say discipline? Yeah. That if you spend on your credit card, you make the payment before it's, like before the deadline mm-hmm. and you don't get any penalties and that will be a lesson for you in your whole life through your life and it will help you mm-hmm. because also, that is one of the biggest problems in this country that people overspend mm-hmm. and can't make the payments and go into credit card debt
2: also uh one additional thing like to make it more accessible a lot of these credit card companies have specific student cards like that have the $0 annual fee. You can get cash back on like things that like restaurants and if you like buy books and stuff like that, like they're specifically geared towards students and advertised towards students as well. So um, it's very accessible. It's very easy to um, open one up.
3: Don't take any loans. Yeah, don't take (laughs) a (laughs)
1: loan. Yeah, the problem is I need to have an income first. (laughs) Yeah
4: um don't have consistent income exactly. if you have worked in summertime at a grocery store and you have some if you have made some money mm-hmm. then generate a w-2 and that is enough to get a credit card And like anika said just buy one coffee every month or two coffees every month yeah. which i'm sure you kids buy which you buy anyway that's Oops. The,
2: <laughs> like everyone buys that stuff anyway especially at college so it's best to just use your own credit card for it like that way, you're not only thinking about the money that you're spending, you are it's actually sort of going towards good cause. That means
3: more than your dad's credit card. Yeah,
0: because I, I feel like there's this thing where even in Monopoly, you know how you used to have the cash Monopoly where you had to like count out the cash we're using you physically gave that yeah, money to and the banker? We have the credit card version <laughs> now where it's you just like, stick it in the little machine and like, oh, $15 million. <laughs> You add it to your, like, that's what it feels like when using a credit card. And I, my freshman year of college, I definitely wasn't the best at, like, managing my spending. Like, yeah, I treat myself to, like, coffee and bubble tea and food all the time. So I guess, like, <laughs> one advice you have on, like, making sure you're consciously aware of how much you're spending. Because with a linked account, you don't see your purchases. And, like, it's not like cash where you're taking out the money and, like, oh, this is how much I'm actually you know? That's
2: a good question. Uh, for me, I would say uh, two things like money awareness uh, comes with like opening up your own credit card. So like when it's actually your money that's coming out of the bank, like it hurts more, you think more about what you're going to be spending before you spend it. <laughs> and then two is uh, budgeting, which I feel like a lot of people don't Realize that they have to do until it's too late and they're like forced to do it, or they never develop those skills. And like, that's when you have people like overspending on their credit lines and they're buying more than they can actually afford. And Mm -hmm. then you're just in a bad situation all around. Um, So, the best thing to do is start budgeting when the stakes are pretty low. So, uh, when you're a student, are the only things like purchases you have to worry about, the only small purchases you have to worry about, other than like obviously tuition and everything, uh, are the coffees and bobas that you buy. So say, like, (laughs) figure out, it's like, it's pretty simple. And like, the first thing that you have to do is just sit down and like, look at the money that you have, look at how much like you yourself are willing to spend monthly on the purchases that you make, set that limit for yourself, and then just stick to it. Mm
1: That's so, nice and yeah.
2: yeah. And again, like my mom was saying, it's a really good way to build discipline um, at a young age. And when you have those habits ingrained into you now, like when you're actually making income after college, like the infrastructure is all already there in your brain and like on your computer to make smart financial
0: decisions. Can I be like you and I <laughs> <laughs> I feel so enlightened. One thing my dad makes me do, like as a requirement for him giving me a credit card, is that like every I have to track everything I do on an Excel spreadsheet, and then like tally up how much I spend every month, and like he'll pay the bill, but like I have to track it.
1: No, I literally just started doing that on Notion. Sure,
0: so now my mom's gonna make me do <laughs> <laughs> it. oh, it's not a really good <laughs> idea. I should
1: make be-
3: Tell
0: your dad about it. I can't make you do that. <laughs> oh Is he still juggling? <laughs> yeah, I hope, hope not. What? What, what? So what I guess... did she write down? What all this? <laughs> like? Oh, of course, <laughs> that my mom wants to know what this exercise in financial discipline is. Oh, like I just have to write like what I spent it on and like the exact amount and then like the monthly total. And I also have like a sum of like my mm-hmm. annual total.
1: So yeah. I have spreadsheets That's from inspired. like 2018 That's
0: on. The annual spending. So every month. I think that's actually a good idea. I wouldn't mind mm. Okay. Yeah, and it takes like five minutes. Like, you spend money, you just type it in, and then Excel adds it for you.
1: The thing is, I never ask for receipts. So I, like, don't know how much exactly each purchase is.
0: That's oh my god, that would drive my dad insane. He gets <laughs> if I don't take a receipt.
1: When the
2: credit card charge comes, like, I, like, I can't share my screen or anything, but you can, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, oh, right, this
0: is a podcast. <laughs> like, why would you share your purchases? Yeah, like, it's you know, not like yeah, a big yeah, boba when and link books. On, <laughs> but when it's a link on each
4: one. Each
3: yeah, each
2: purchase, purchase shows up. Um, tag, tag and purchase. you can get sort of like a, a written list of the things that you spent your money on. Oh, okay. so And it's a good idea also because I know for me, like, actually putting uh, on paper the things that I'm spending money on, like, it really puts into perspective, like, oh my God, I'm spending a hundred dollars on boba, <laughs> you know, like. Um, attack. Mom <laughs> well, nodding her head. <laughs> and yeah. Like I see it all. And like, like you, you can like budget up your money into categories of like, oh, like this is spending money for food and like a uh, coffee and boba, and then okay, spending money for additional things like gifts for your friends like that's a whole nother category because that's like things that you spend your That's what you spend your money on like as a student, too And then things that you just want to buy for yourself shopping like that. So the more you can uh, sort of segregate your um, The way that you spend your money and like the way that you tally it down the better your budgeting will be
0: Yeah, so we know that you're a finance major so some of this stuff is just innate to what you learn in your classes um, the other majors, like, you know, me and Isha, for example, uh, people who are in, like, bio, engineers, like, humanities, we don't have access to this finance education in our core curricula. So what advice would you have for us to learn some of this stuff on our own?
3: Um,
2: good. Another good question. Uh, what I would say is that personal finance is a lot more accessible than a lot of people think that it is. Like some people think that you have to sit down and like take a course and study different things when that's not the case at all. A lot of finance and a lot of personal finance is just being like curious about uh, what's going on in the world around you um, and being smart with your money and being like aware of where your money is going. So to learn more about it, like, the market drives a lot of things. Like, so I would say, just any news uh, publication that you subscribe to, like Wall Street Journal, New York Times. Like, there are always articles about what's going on in the stock market. If you like, have we in our house, we have CNBC on all the time. <laughs> um, so I think even when you're not consciously watching, like things filter in. Like, if you're reading those articles or like watching that that channel. Um, so just I'm paying attention to like conversations about like the market and finance that are happening around you. And then on the personal side of finance, um, I think we've touched a lot about it. Like we've touched on it a lot um, already, but just like awareness of where your money is going. Like you don't need to have some sort of grand strategy in order to budget up your money. Like it's enough to just tally down like Clarissa like was doing uh, or is doing Um, tally down like what you're spending and where and doing that will also force you to sort of take a closer look at, okay, like where actually is my money going? Because uh, like information sort of in this realm, information is power. And if you just stick your head in the sand as your personal finances, uh, you'll never really get anywhere. You'll never know anything about uh, where your money is going. And it makes it really easy for people to take advantage of you and for uh like companies to take advantage of you in that regard but when you know like where your money is going when you know of um, like some amount of information about this industry it gives you that much more power wow <laughs> finance queen <laughs> and yeah again one final thing i said this multiple times but like figure out your own like financial profile like figure out how much of an appetite for risk that you have. Like, cause everybody's like approach to finance is different. Figure out your own. And I would just say that
4: not now, now you're still, still kids, but uh, at some point when you start earning, oh shit. We didn't save, talk about, yeah. save saving is very important.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: First, remove all the savings that you want to do. Like, like I always till now that Anika is going to start working that maximize your 401k. Exactly. Wherever you have to know <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: wait, we didn't and, even talk about Roth IRA. Yeah, I
4: had a question about yeah. that, but it's okay. <laughs> to know 401k. You are at the precipice that's where true, you're going to true. move to earning. But
0: no? I think it's this still is a good place. place to start, like with this knowledge of finance that mm-hmm. you guys kind of dispelled today. But yeah, always do some saving. Yeah.
2: Yeah, doing like retirement calculations, it real like you realize how much money you need at that time in your life and like how much of it is not really guaranteed. So the earlier you start saving, the better you're going to like the better your life is going to be like at that time when you retire. So yeah.
4: But generally a good rule of thumb is at least try at least the minimum you should try and save is 10% of your income. Okay. So that, is, that should not be too much. But if 10% is too much, at least put in $100 every month.
2: A little mm-hmm. is better than nothing. nothing. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I guess that's like the theme of personal finance. A little bit better than nothing. If you do
4: $100 every month, it still adds up to $1,200 at end the of end year. of the year.
2: It's
4: true. So.
0: Okay, so hopefully you guys were able to learn something about stocks and investing and personal finance from today's episode. And I think we'll all be able to apply some of this advice to getting stacked in our own <laughs> efforts. I will be um, opening a credit card immediately after this episode. Yeah, like I'm kind of inspired to track my purchases on Excel. Exactly. Um, yeah. And as always follow our Instagram at pod.bestbuds but maybe don't reach out to you any of us the three of us with your finance questions because we aren't really qualified to answer them but talking to your parents is probably a good place to start because they they probably have some money that they're investing and they're obviously doing well saving money and things so
1: and thank you both for coming on and spelling your knowledge and wisdom very useful
3: <laughs> no problem, that was fun.
1: yeah and on that note we'll
0: see you guys next week bye, bye.